Act Two of Inheritors by Susan Glasspell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two Scene A corridor in the library of Morton College, October of the year 1920, upon the occasion of the fortieth anniversary of its founding. This is an open place in the stacks of books, which are seen at both sides. There is a reading table before the big rear window. This window opens out, but does not extend to the floor. Only a part of its height is seen, indicating a very high window. Outside is seen the top of a tree. This outer wall of the building is on a slant, so that the entrance right is near, and the left is front. Right front is a section of a huge square column. On the rear of this, facing the window, is hung a picture of Silas Morton. Two men are standing before this portrait. Senator Lewis is the Midwestern State Senator. He is not of the city from which Morton College rises, but of a more country community farther in state. Felix Fedgeberry, now nearing the age of his father in the first act, is an American of the more sophisticated type, prosperous, having the poise of success in affairs and place in society. And this was the boy who founded the place, eh? It was his idea? Yes, and his hill. I was there the afternoon he told my father there must be a college here. I wasn't any older then than my boy is now. As if himself surprised by this. Well, he enlisted a good man when he let you in on it. I've been told the college wouldn't be what it is today but for you, Mr. Fayavari. I have a sentiment about it, and where our sentiment is, there our work goes also. Yes, well, it was those mainsprings of sentiment that won the war. He is pleased with this. Fedgeberry, nodding. Morton College did her part in winning the war. I know, a fine showing. And we're holding up our end right along. You'll see the boys drill this afternoon. It's a great place for them here on the hill. Shows up from so far around. They're a fine lot of fellows. You know, I presume, that they went in as strike-breakers during the trouble down here at the steelworks. The plant would have had to close but for Morton College. That's one reason I ventured to propose this thing of a state appropriation for enlargement. Why don't we sit down for a moment? There's no conflict with the state university. They have their territory. We have ours. Ours is an important one, industrially speaking. The state will lose nothing in having a good strong college here. A 100% American college. I admit I am very favorably impressed. I hope you'll tell your committee so, and let me have a chance to talk to them. Let's see, haven't you a pretty radical man here? I wonder if you mean Holden? Holden's a man. I've read things that make me question his Americanism. Oh. Gesture of depreciation. I don't think he's so much a radical as a particularly human human being. But we don't want radical human beings. He has a genuine sympathy with youth. That's invaluable in a teacher, you know. And then, he's a scholar. He betrays here his feeling of superiority to his companion, but too subtly for his companion to get it. Oh, scholar. We can get scholars enough. What we want is Americans. Americans who are scholars. You can pick them off every bush, pay them a little more than they're paid in some other cheap John College. Excuse me, I don't mean to say this is a cheap John College. Of course not. One couldn't think that of Morton College. But that, pay them a little more, interests me. There's another reason I want to talk to your committee on appropriations. We claim to value education, 
and then we let highly trained, gifted men fall behind the plumber. Well, that's the plumber's fault. Let the teachers talk to the plumber. Fedgeberry, with a smile. No, better not let them talk to the plumber. He might tell them what to do about it. In fact, is telling them. That's ridiculous. They can't serve both God and Mammon. Then let God give them Mammon. I mean, let the state appropriate. Of course, this state, Mr. Fedgeberry, appropriates no money for radicals. Excuse me, but why do you keep this man, Holden? In the scholar's world, we're known because of him. And really, Holden's not a radical, in the worst sense. What he doesn't see is expediency. Not enough the man of affairs to realize that we can't always have literally what we have theoretically. He's an idealist. Something of the man of vision. If he had the right of vision, he'd see that we don't every minute have literally what we have theoretically because we're fighting to keep the thing we have. Uh, sometimes I think the man of affairs has the only vision. Take you, Mr. Fayberry, a banker. These teachers, books. Books! Pushing all books back. Why, if they had to take for one day the responsibility that falls on your shoulders, big decisions to make, man among men, and all the time worries, irritations, particularly now with the labor riding the high horse like a fool. I know something about these things. I went to the state house because my community persuaded me it was my duty. But I'm the man of affairs myself. Oh, yes, I know. Your company did much to develop that whole northern part of the state. I think I may say we did. Well, that's why, after three sessions, I'm chairman of the Appropriations Committee. I know how to use money to promote the state. So teacher. That would be a perpetual vacation to me. Now, if you want my advice, Mr. Fayavari, I think your case before the state would be stronger if you let this fellow Holden go. I'm going to have a talk with Professor Holden. Tell him it's for his own good. The idea of a college professor standing up for the conscientious objectors. That doesn't quite state the case. Fred Jordan was one of Holden's students, a student he valued. He felt Jordan was perfectly sincere in his objection. Sincere in his objections? The nerve of him thinking it was his business to be sincere. He was expelled from college. You may remember. That was how we felt about it. I should hope so. Holden fought that, but within the college. What brought him into the papers was his protest against the way the boy has been treated in prison. What's the difference how he's treated? You know how I treat him? A movement as though pulling a trigger. <laughs> if I didn't know you for the American you are... I wouldn't understand your speaking so calmly. I'm simply trying to see it all sides around. Makes me see red. Fedgeberry, with a smile. But we mustn't meet red with red. What's Holden fussing about? That they don't give him caviar on toast? That they didn't give him books. Holden felt it was his business to fuss about that. Well, when your own boy, instead of whining around about his conscience, stood up and offered his life. Yes, and my nephew gave his life. That so? Silas Morton's grandson died in France. My sister Madeline married Ira Morton, son of Silas Morton. I knew there was a family connection between you and the Mortons. Fedgeberry, speaking with reserve. They played together as children and married as soon as they were grown up. So, this was your sister's boy. Fedgeberry nods. One of the mothers to give her son. Fedgeberry, speaking of her with effort. My sister died long ago. Pulled to an old feeling with an effort releasing himself. But Ira is still out at the old place, place the Mortons took up when they reached the end of their trail, as Uncle Silas used to put it. 
why it's a hundred years ago that Grandmother Morton began making cookies here. She was the first white woman in this country. Proud woman to have begun the life of this state. Oh, our pioneers, if they could only see us now and know what they did. Fedgeberry is silent. He does not look quite happy. I suppose Silas Morton's son is active in the college management. No, Ira is not a social being. Fred's death about finished him. He had been strange for years ever since my sister died, when the children were little. It was... Again pulled back to that old feeling. Under pretty terrible circumstances. I can see that you thought a great deal of your sister, Mr. Fayavari. Oh, she was beautiful and... Bitterly. It shouldn't have gone like that. Seems to me I've heard something about Silas Morton's son, though perhaps it wasn't this one. Ira is the only one living here now. The others have gone farther west. Isn't there something about corn? Yes. His corn has several years taken the prize, best in the state. He's experimented with it, created a new kind. They've given it his name, Morton Corn. It seems corn is rather fascinating to work with. Very mutable stuff. It's a good thing Ira has it, for it's about the only thing he does care for now. Oh, Madeline, of course. He has a daughter here in the college, Madeline Morton, senior this year, one of our best students. I'd like to have you meet Madeline. She's a great girl, though peculiar. Well, that makes a girl interesting if she isn't peculiar the wrong way. Sounds as if her home life might make her a little peculiar. Madeline stays here in town with us a good part of the time. Mrs. Fedgeveri is devoted to her. We all are. A boy starts to come through from right. Hello. See who's here. This is my boy. Horace, this is Senator Lewis, who is interested in the college. Horace, shaking hands. Oh, how do you do, Senator Lewis? Pleased to see you, my boy. Am I budding again? Not seriously, but what are you doing in the library? I thought this was a day off. I'm looking for a book. Fedgeveri, affectionately bantering. You are, Horace? Now how does that happen? I want the speeches of Abraham Lincoln. You couldn't do better. I'll show those dirty dagos where they get off. You couldn't show them a little more elegantly? I'm going to sick the legion on them. Are you talking about the Hindus? Yes, the dirty dagos. Hindus aren't dagos, you know, Horace. Well, what's the difference? This foreign element gets my goat. My boy, you talk like an American. But what do you mean, Hindus? There are two young Hindus here as students, and they're good students. Sissies. But they must preach the gospel of free India, non-British India. Oh, that won't do. They're nothing but reds, I'll say. Well, one of them's going back to get his. Grins. There were three of them last year. One of them is wanted back home. I remember now. He's to be deported. And when they get him? Movement as of pulling a rope. They hang there. The other two protest against our not fighting at the deportation of their comrade. They insist it means death to him. Brushing off a thing that is inclined to worry him. But we can't handle India's affairs. I should think not. Why, England's our ally. That's what I told them. But you can't argue with people like that. Ah, oh, just wait till I find the speeches of Abraham Lincoln. Passes through to left. Fine boy you have, Mr. Favari. He's a live one. You should see him in a football game. Wouldn't hurt my feelings in the least to have him a little more of a student, but... Oh, well, you want him to be a regular fellow, don't you? And grow into a man among men? He'll do that, I think. 
It was he who organized our boys for the steel strike, went right in himself and took a striker's job. He came home with a black eye one night, presented to him by a picket who started something by calling him a scab. But Horace wasn't thinking about his eye. According to him, it was not in the class with the striker's upper lip. Father, he said, I gave him more red than he could swallow. The blood just... Well, I'll spare you. But Horace's muscle is 100% American. Going to the window. Let me show you something. You can see the old Morton place off on that first little hill. Pointing left. The first rise beyond the valley. The long low house. That's it. You see, the town for the most part swung around the other side of the hill, so the Morton place is still a farm. But you're growing all the while. The town will take the cornfield yet. Yes, our steelworks is making us a city. And this old boy? Turning to the portrait of Silas Morton. Can look out on his old home and watch the valley grow. Yes, that was my idea. His picture really should be in Memorial Hall, but I thought Uncle Silas would like to be up here among the books and facing the old place. <laughs> I confess to being a little sentimental. We Americans have lots of sentiments. Mr. Fayberry, it's what makes us what we are. Fedgeberry does not speak. There are times when the senator seems to trouble him. Well, this is a great sight for a college. You can see it from the whole country round. Yes, that was Uncle Silas's idea. He had a reverence for education. It grew in part out of his feeling for my father. He was a poet. Really, Uncle Silas. Looking at the picture... He gave this hill for a college that we might become a deeper, more sensitive people. Two girls convulsed with the giggles come tumbling in. <laughs> <laughs> Doris, confused. Oh, oh, excuse us. Fussy, foolishly. We didn't know anybody was here. Mr. Fedgeberry looks at them sternly. The girls retreat. Senator, laughing. Oh, well, girls will be girls. I've got three of my own. Horace comes back, carrying an open book. Say, this must be a misprint. Fedgeberry, glancing at the back of the book. Oh, I think not. From his first inaugural address to Congress, March 4th, 1861. <clears throat> Reads. This country, with its institutions, belong to the people who inhabit it. Well, that's all right. Whenever they shall grow weary of the existing government, they can exercise their constitutional right of amending it. After a brief consideration. I suppose that's all right. But listen. Or their revolutionary right to dismember or overthrow it. He was speaking in another age, an age of different values. Terms change their significance from generation to generation. I suppose they do, but that puts me in bad with these lice. They quoted this, and I said they were liars. And what's the idea? They're weary of our existing government and are about to dismember or overthrow it? I guess that's the dope. Look here, Horace. Speak accurately. Was it in relation to America they quoted this? Well, maybe they were talking about India then. But they were standing up for being revolutionist. We were giving them an earful about it, and then they spring Lincoln on us. Got their nerve, I'll say, quoting Lincoln to us. The fact that they are quoting it shows it's being misapplied. Horace, approvingly. I'll tell them that. Oh, but, gee, 
lincoln ought to been more careful what he said ignorant people don't know how to take such things goes back with book want to take a look through the rest of the library we haven't been up this way yet motioning left we need a better scientific library they are leaving now oh we simply must have more money the whole thing is fairly bursting its shell doris venturing in cautiously from the other side looking back beckoning they've gone sure well are they here and i saw them i tell you they went up to science fussy moving the senator's hat on the table but they'll come back what if they do we're only looking at a book running her hand along the books matthew arnold takes a paper from fussy puts it in the book <laughs> They are bent with giggling as Horace returns. For the love of Pete! What's the joke? Taking the book from the helpless girl. Matthew Arnold. My idea of nowhere to go for a laugh. When I wrote my theme on him last week, he was so dry I had to go out and get a Morton Sunday. The girls are freshly attacked, though all of this in a subdued way, mindful of others in the library. Say, how do you get that way? now horace don't you tell what would i tell except seeing the paper mm-hmm what's this doris trying to get it from him horace now don't you a tussle oh you great strong mean thing fussy make him stop she gets the paper by tearing it my dad's around here showing the college off to a politician if you don't come across with that sheet of mystery, I'll back you both out there. Starts to do it. And... Horace, you're just horrid. Sure, I'm horrid. That's the way I want to be. Takes the paper, reads. <clears throat> to Eben, you are the idol of my dreams. I worship from afar. What is this? Now listen, Horace, and don't you tell. You know even Weeks, he's the homeliest man in school. Wouldn't you say so? Awful Jay. Like to get some of the Jays out of here. But listen. Of course no girl would look at him. So we've thought up the most killing joke. <laughs> <laughs> Stopped by giggles from herself and Fussy. Now, he hasn't handed in his Matthew Arnold dope. I heard old Mac hold him up for it. And what do you think he said? That he'd been plowing. Said he was trying to run a farm and go to college at the same time. Isn't it a scream? We ought to make it more unpleasant for some of those Jays. Gives the school a bad name. But listen, Horace, honest, you'll just die. He said he was going to get the book this afternoon. Now you know what he looks like. But he turns to <laughs> <laughs> Both girls are convulsed. It'll get him all fussed up, and for nothing at all. Too bad that class of people come here. I think I'll go to Harvard next year. Haven't broken it to my parents, but I've about made up my mind. Don't you think Morton's a good school, Horace? Morton's all right. Fine for the... Kindly people who would naturally come here but one gets an acquaintance at harvard 
Where do you want these passionate lines? <laughs> <laughs> Fussy and Doris are off again convulsed. Horace, eye falling on the page where he opens the book. Say, old bones could spill the English. What? Listen to this flyer. For when we say that culture is to know the best that has been thought and said in the world, we simply imply that for culture, a system directly tending to that end is necessary in our reading. He reads it with mock solemnity, delighting Fussy and Doris. <laughs> the best that has been thought and said in the world. Madeline Morton comes in from right. She carries a tennis racket. Madeline, both critical and good-humored. You haven't made a large contribution to that, have you, Horace? Madeline, you don't want to let this sarcastic habit grow on you. Thanks for the tip. Oh, Madeline. Holds out her hand to take the book from Horace and shows it to Madeline. You know... Shh, don't be silly. To cover this. Who are you playing with? Want me to play with you, Madeline? Madeline, genially. I'd rather play with you than talk to you. Same here. Aren't cousins affectionate? Madeline, moving through to the other part of the library. But first I'm looking for a book. Well, I can tell you without your looking it up. He did say it. But that was an age of different values. Anyway, the fact that they're quoting it shows it's being misapplied. Madeline, smiling. Father said so. Horace, on his dignity. No, of course. If you don't want to be serious. Madeline laughs and passes on through. What are you two talking about? Madeline happened to overhear a little discussion down on the campus. Listen, you know something? Sometimes I think Madeline Morton is a highbrow in disguise. Say, you don't want to start anything like that. Madeline's all right. She and I treat each other rough, but that's being in the family. Well, I'll tell you something. I heard Professor Holden say Madeline Morden has a great deal more mind than she'd let herself know. Oh, well, Holden, he's erratic. Look at how popular Madeline is. I should say. What's the matter with you, Fussy? Oh, I didn't mean you really hurt her. Guess it don't hurt her much at a dance. Say... What's this new jazz they were springing last night? I know. Now look here, Horace. Let me show you. She shows him a step. I get you. He begins to dance with her. The book he holds slips to the floor. He kicks it under the table. Be careful. They'll be coming back here. Glances off left. Keep an eye out, Fussy. Fussy, from her post. They're coming. I told you, they're coming. Horace, come on. He teasingly keeps hold of her, continuing the dance. At sound of voices, they run off, right. Fussy considers rescuing the book, decides she has not time. Senator, at first speaking off. Yes, it could be done. There is that surplus, and as long as Morton College is socially valuable, right here above the steelworks, and making this feature of military training... He has picked up his hat. But your Americanism must be unimpeachable, Mr. Favary. This man Holden stands in the way. I'm going to have a talk with Professor Holden this afternoon. If he remains, he will... It is not easy for him to say. Give no trouble. Madeline returns. Oh, here's Madeline, Silas Morton's granddaughter. Madeline Fedjaveri Morton. This is Senator Lewis, Madeline. Senator, holding out his hand. How do you do, Miss Morton? I suppose this is a great day for you. Why, 
I don't know. The fortieth anniversary of the founding of your grandfather's college. You must be very proud of your illustrious ancestor. I get a bit bored with him. Bored with him, my dear young lady. I suppose because I've heard so many speeches about him, the sainted pioneer, the grand old man of the prairies. I'm sure I haven't any idea what he really was like. I've tried to tell you, Madeline. Yes. I should think you would be proud to be the granddaughter of this man of vision. Madeline, her smile flashing. Wouldn't you hate to be the granddaughter of a phrase? Fedgeberry, trying to laugh it off. <laughs> Madeline, how absurd! Well, I'm off for tennis. Nods goodbye and passes on. Fedgeberry, calling to her. Oh, Madeline, if your aunt Isabel is out there, will you tell her where we are? Madeline, calling back. All right. Fedgeberry, after a look at his companion. Queer girl, Madeline. Rather moody. Senator, disapprovingly. Well, yes. Fedgeberry, again trying to laugh it off. <laughs> She's been hearing a great many speeches about her grandfather. She should be proud to hear them. Of course she should. Looking in the direction Madeline has gone. I want you to meet my wife, Senator Lewis. Well, I should be pleased to meet Mrs. Fedgeberry. I have heard what she means to the college, socially. I think she has given it something it wouldn't have had without her. Certainly a place in a town that is good for it. And you haven't met our president yet. Guess I've met the real president. Oh, no. I'm merely president of the Board of Trustees. Merely. I want you to know President Welling. He's very much the cultivated gentleman. Cultivated gentlemen are all right. I'd hate to see a world they ran. Fudgeberry, with a laugh. <laughs> I'll just take a look up here. Then we can go down the shorter way. He goes out right. Senator Lewis turns and examines the books. Fussy slips in, looks at him, hesitates, and then stoops under the table for the Matthew Arnold and her poem, which Horace has kicked there. He turns. Fussy, not out from under the table. Oh, I was just looking for a book. Quite a place to look for a book. Fussy, crawling out. Yes, it got there. I thought I'd put it back. Somebody might want it. I see, young lady, that you have a regard for books. Oh, yes, I do have a regard for them. Senator, holding out his hand. And what is your book? Oh, it's... it's nothing. As he continues to hold out his hand, she reluctantly gives the book. Senator, solemnly. Matthew Arnold? Nothing? Oh, I didn't mean him. A master of English. I am glad, young woman, that you value this book. Oh, yes, I'm... awfully fond of it. Growing more and more nervous as in turning the pages he nears the poem. I am interested in you young people of Morton College. That's so good of you. What is your favorite study? Well, an inspiration. I like all of them. Morton College is coming on very fast, I understand. Oh, yes, it's getting more and more of the right people. It used to be a little Jay, you know. Of course, the Fetchevers give it class. Mrs. Fetchevery. Isn't she wonderful? I haven't seen her yet. Waiting here now to meet her. Fussy, worried by this. Oh, I must... must be going. Shall I put the book back? Holding out her hand. No, I'll just look it over a bit. Sits down. Fussy, unable to think of any way of getting it. This is where it belongs. Thank you. Reluctantly, she goes out. Senator Lewis pursues Matthew Arnold with the conscious air of a half-literate man reading a great book. The Fedgeveries come in. I found my wife, Senator Lewis. Aunt Isabel. She is a woman of social distinction and charm. How do you do, Senator Lewis? They shake hands. It's a great pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Fayberry. 
why don't we carry senator lewis home for lunch why you're very kind i'm sure there's a great deal to talk about so why not talk comfortably and finally get acquainted and we want to tell you the whole story of morton college the good old american spirit behind it i am glad to find you an american mrs Fayberry. oh we are that morton college is one hundred percent american our boys her boy horace rushes in horace wildly father will you go after madeline uh, the police have got her what aunt isabel as he is getting his breath what absurd thing are you saying horace awful row down on the campus the hindus i told them to keep their mouths shut about abraham lincoln i told them the fact that they were quoting him never mind what you told them what happened we started to rustle them along a bit why they had handbills holding one up as if presenting incriminating evidence the senator takes it from him telling america what to do about deportation not on this campus i say so we were we were putting a stop to it they resisted particularly the fat one the cop at the corner saw the row came up he took hold of bakshish and when the dirty anarchist didn't move along fast enough he took hold of him well a bit rough you might say when up rushes madeline and calls to the cop let that boy alone gee i don't know just what did happen awful mix-up next thing i knew madeline hauled off and pasted the policeman a fierce one with her tennis racket she struck the officer i should say she did twice the second time horace looking at her husband i i can't believe it i could have squared it even then but for madeline herself i told the policeman that she didn't understand that i was her cousin and apologized for her and she called over to me better apologize for yourself as if there was any sense to that that she she looked like a tiger honest everyone was afraid of her i kept right on trying to square it told the cop she was the granddaughter of the man that founded the college that you were her uncle he would have gone off with just the hindu fixed this up later but madeline balled it up again didn't care who was her uncle oh gee he throws open the window there you can see them at the foot of the hill oh a nice thing member of our family led off to a police station Fedgeberry, to the senator will you excuse me aunt isabel trying to return to the manner of pleasant social things senator lewis will go on home with me and you he is hurrying out come when you can to the senator madeline is such a high-spirited girl if she had no regard for the living she might on this day of all others have considered her grandfather's memory raises his eyes to the picture of silas morton gee wouldn't you say so curtain end of act two